Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo, I have a little breaking news from Sham Shirani of The Athletic. Uh, the NBA's July 30 restart openers, Gordon. Mm. Starting at 4.30 Mountain Standard Time, the Jazz versus the Pelicans will be game number one of the Orlando bubble, followed by the Clippers-Lakers at 7. 4? <laughs> actually. 4.30? That doesn't sound quite as well. <laughs> not, not quite as good as Casey. Two? Yeah, it's not Saturday morning at two. Play that whole thing. We oh, man, all that, that. that thing is funny. Maybe we'll have to, to get to that coming up. Two? Uh, I love it. Bring on the... You know, uh, I was talking to Austin about this the other day, Gordon, with this format. You know, we're used to jazz games starting at seven when their home game's right for the most part, unless it's national TV. And usually it's not much earlier unless they're on the East Coast. Game start times are going to be all over the map. If they start playing games in the 10 a.m. window, I mean, we're going to have afternoon games, morning games, night games. It's going to be... The schedule's going to be crazy. It'll be all over the map. It's like an ice hockey league, you know, a junior ice hockey league when there's only limited ice and they got to play it like three in the morning. At two. Uh, so there you go. 430. The Jazz are going to be the first game of this whole thing, Gordon. Yeah. Well, uh, don't have to wait long to, uh, to, to watch them play. Uh, and, and like we talked about earlier, that's really a pivotal part of this whole thing is how will these teams come back together how motivated will they be how coordinated will they be how in shape will they be and uh yeah i i don't know it's a bit of a mystery and uh it, it even sounds as though some of the people involved with various teams around the league don't know exactly how that's going to go but when we talked with uh with quinn yesterday he was he was pretty optimistic about the way he thought his team was going to come back into form let's jump out let's jump out of the sprint special guest line sprint they make it safe and easy to get what you need online visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability of course he makes the magic happen at the salt lake tribune he covers the utah jazz he's eric walden with us here on the big show hi eric how are you i'm just uh pulling out what tiny bit of hair I got left trying to will ESPN to like show the Jazz's eight-game Orlando schedule, you know? We did find out a little bit they'll be playing the first game. You got that? Yeah, we, we know uh, We know at this moment they will be playing the Pelicans on July 30th. They'll be playing the Lakers on August 3rd. They'll be playing the Grizzlies on August 5th. That's about it at this moment. So, Eric, what do you make of the way this is all shaping out? It, it just continues to be a year of weirdness, doesn't it? I mean, uh, I was on the uh, NBA conference call that they had this afternoon to kind of uh, uh, formally announce the, the formal agreement between the league and, and the Players Association and to kind of go over where we stand and, you know, the concerns going forward and how they got to this point. And it's all just weirdness, right? Like a few months ago, I thought there was no way that they'd come back, that there, there was just too much chaos, the, too much unpredictability. And about, you know, 
then all of a sudden we start hearing the news that there's momentum building and, and I become a lot more confident in it. And now all of a sudden you see these, you see these uh, positive tests in, in Florida continuing to escalate every single day. And now all of a sudden there's, there's more of that doubt that's crept back in about, is, is this going to happen? You know, are they going to be able to pull this off? Um, it, it was interesting hearing someone ask Adam Silver today, you know, what would be, you know, what what would have to happen in order for games to get canceled, in order for games to get postponed, in order for you guys to, to halt this thing? And, you know, he said, well, if it's one player that tests positive, uh, you know, whether, whether it's a superstar or a journeyman, we'll quarantine that guy and, and sucks for that team. But, uh, you know, conversely, if we get, significant spread of, uh, of the coronavirus seeping into, you know, this campus bubble, uh, then all of a sudden it becomes a different story. So it just, you know, I, I hate saying, oh, everything's in flux, everything's, everything's up in the air, but it, it seems like the closer we get to this, the less we know, uh, counterintuitively, you know? All right, so uh, your boy, Andy Larson, your cohort over there at the Trib, just tweeted this out, Eric, because I know we're distracting you from tweeting yourself. Uh, but uh, we, we mentioned uh, the first game, second game, August 1st, Jazz Thunder. August 3rd, Jazz Lakers, you mentioned that. August 5th, Jazz Grizzlies. August 7th, Jazz Spurs. August 8th, Jazz Nuggets. August 10th, Jazz Mavs. And August 13th, Jazz Spurs. So there it is, only one back-to-back. Well, I guess that is. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think we knew that originally. They they had mentioned that they were going to limit every team to only one set of uh, of back to backs. That off the top of my head seems like a a decent schedule for the Jazz. Obviously, um, you know they've had some trouble with uh, with the Lakers. Um, the Nuggets are are a quality team. But um, the rest of it seems seems like it could potentially put them in decent position to either kind of keep the the number four seed that they're presently at, or maybe even uh, move up a little. It, it seems like they've got a really good option there for you know not losing ground as as was the fear. Whether that ultimately matters, you know, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're the four or five seed if it means that. You're playing the Lakers in the second round either way. Probably not, but um, who knows? We'll see how it plays out. Eric, we had Quinn on our show yesterday. You were part of that uh, Zoom press conference, whatever we call those, and I wanted to get your impressions of uh, what he said. Yeah, uh, I liked Quinn's message. You know, um, we hadn't spoken to him in so long that that when a member of – Jazz PR let me know, you know, a, a day or two ahead of time that this uh, that this meeting with him was going to happen. You know, I, I was told, hey, Quinn is aiming to keep this kind of limited to his involvement with the uh, the, the coaches association committee um, in terms of uh, trying to bring about racial and, and social justice. And my response was, we haven't talked to Quinn since you know, early March, like good luck keeping the masses from inundating him with, <laughs> with basketball questions, you know, but um, that said, it, it, he, Quinn, you know, we all know that Quinn is 
a thoughtful and, and eloquent guy. And um, he did an incredible job of, of kind of keeping the topic, you know, along the lines of of uh, what's going on in this country right now that's that's bigger than basketball. Uh, him talking about how he was proud of Donovan being on social media and, and kind of pushing the narrative forward. Him talking about how he was proud of Jordan Clarkson uh, taking part in a peaceful protest march in Los Angeles. You know, uh, that, that's a situation where I could see certain coaches around the league who might be a little more old school saying, what are you doing putting yourself out there in a situation like that? And and Quinn was, you know, had exactly the right response to that. Um, I mean, that, that quote that he said about, uh, you know, the, it, it being a slippery slope from complacency to, to complicity. Just, I mean, everyone <laughs> at the time he said that just kind of took a step back, you know, and was like, all right, where did he get that from? You know, is that from a movie? Is that from a book? No, that was, that was from Quinn's heart and Quinn's mind. And, uh, yeah, it, it was great hearing him speak about taking his children to uh, a Juneteenth event, you know, to kind of let them know what's going on. Uh, it was great hearing him talk about the response to Donovan's Juneteenth post on Instagram and how, you know, some people were trying to play it off by saying, well, hey, the, the positive comments far outweighed the negative ones on that. And his response being, so long as there are that number of negative comments, that that's just further proof that Donovan's message is right and that we've got continued work to do. So it's always a pleasure getting to uh, getting to hear what, what Quinn Snyder has to say in, uh, in any given moment. Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think are fair expectations for Jazz fans to have in this uh, situation? Is it fair to expect them to win a series? You know, with Bogey out, I I don't even know if that's realistic at this point. Um, I think they're still one of the top four or five teams in the West. But again, are they, are they a top four team or are they a top five team now? Uh, that, that can make a huge difference at this point. Um, I think depending on the matchup they get, they could win a series. I think that, you know, if they wind up playing, if, if things go crazy and they somehow wind up playing the Lakers, which I don't think that's even mathematically possible at this point, unless something really bad goes happen, yeah, they'd be in trouble. Uh, if, if they wind up getting matched up against the Rockets, they're probably in trouble. Uh, if they have the Thunder... You know, that's that's a little more favorable for them. And, and who knows, in that case, they could pull it off. But everything's up in the air right now, you know? Like, who knows if they can uh, come back and, and kind of resemble it all, that team that, that got on that a little bit of a hot streak right before the season shut down, you know? These guys haven't played together in so long in any kind of organized capacity it's all up in the air, and I would argue that missing a guy who averaged 20 a game and shot better than 40% from three in doing it is going to be pretty hard to overcome. Do you think they could overcome that at the defensive end? Could they be better defensively without Boyan? They could be, but, I mean, you know, if we're relying on that, then I guess I would say what was the point of, of changing this 
team around so thoroughly uh, this offseason. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they got to a point where they realized that being a defensive-oriented team, having having the defense so far ahead of the offense, yeah, it can it can win you a series here and there, but ultimately it, it puts a cap on what you're capable of doing. And we saw that against the Rockets. We saw that against the Warriors. You know. <sighs> That could that could win them an opening round series, but it's not going to get them any further than that. Now, you know, if we see all of a sudden Royce O'Neal and and Joe Ingles just exponentially increase their offensive usage and go crazy from three point range, and if we see Mike Conley, you know, kind of approach the production that he had in Memphis, then I guess everything is back on the table. But you know, I, I'm kind of of the opinion we know who those other two guys are at this point, and it really doesn't seem in their nature to be, you know, to all of a sudden have the ability, the capability to just go off consistently on the offensive end. You know what I mean? They are who they are, and they fit into the construct of this team because of what they do, and expecting Joe Ingles to suddenly pour in, you know, 18 a night or Royce O'Neal to pour in 15 a night just doesn't seem terribly realistic to me. Eric, do you know your plan? I know we haven't seen a, a ton of concrete media stuff. Is the trip going to send you down to Orlando? You know what you're doing? Uh, we still don't have an official plan. I, I would guess as of right now that uh, just given the costs we've seen associated with one of the options, and the lack of access that we've seen associated with one of the other options, that uh, the higher-ups than me probably will, will deem it not cost-beneficial to send either me or Andy there. Now, if one of your listeners is just some uh, billionaire philanthropist who happens to love <laughs> my work and, and wants to foot the bill for me to go uh, live inside the bubble down at Disney World... You know, you can give them my contact information, and we'll make it happen. Well, I've got I've got good news for you, Eric. Your your columnist just happens to be a billionaire philanthropist. You know what? I forgot about that. Gordon's Gordon's got the. Uh, Come on, Gordon. Let's get Eric that, down that to Orlando. Up on the hill, well, right? So. Better Eric than me. I'll tell you that right now. I, Eric, uh, in a serious way, would you look forward? Let's say the Jazz were to win a series in the playoffs. Would you, uh, I don't know how far that would take them along, but uh, it's a pretty big sacrifice to ask folks to show up down there and stay down there for a couple months, don't you think? Yeah, and, you know, that's that's one of the, that was one of the more kind of interesting uh, components of today's today's conference call that came up. You know, someone bringing up the fact that the Jazz are, you know, and then they didn't bring us up specifically about the Jazz, but we know that the Jazz are scheduled to fly out to Orlando on July 7th. And game one takes place July 30. And then you've got eight games over 15 days and then a best of seven first round series. You know, we're looking at these guys being apart from their families for at least a month, maybe more. You know, uh, no family members allowed into the campus bubble until after the conclusion of the first round. 
it's a it's a tough situation. Um, it's going to weigh on a lot of guys. You know, we heard Joe Ingles uh, a couple months ago when when the bubble situation was hypothetical and and not a settled thing, talking about how he didn't think he would be in favor of it just because, you know, that meant he'd be spending time away from his twins. Um, You know, in in my case, I'm fortunate that uh, I've been married for a while yet. My wife and I have, we still like each other and have a certain rapport. Uh, I'm fortunate in that my son is now uh, 22 years old. And while he still likes me and likes having me around, I would like to think, you know, he's also capable of, of, of handling himself and taking care of himself. So, you know, I've had that conversation with my family and, and discussed, you know, hey, if the trip, you know, asks me to go down, what would you think? And so, you know, uh, we've had that conversation and um, I'm willing to go if, if they're able to send me. Uh, I, I think it's an incredible experience and obviously something that hopefully uh, is unlikely to happen again any, you know, anytime I'm covering this team, but who knows going forward? Like, but that said, I, I think it would be cool to experience. Is it, is it a little uh, worrisome that we continue to see the, the, the cases rise in Florida every day? Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I'm a basketball writer. I cover a basketball team. That's my job, and I love doing it. And, you know, I, I want to do it to the best of my ability, and being down there probably uh, would help me do that. And, Eric, why do you why – you, why are you so good at what you do? Jake, it's because he loves to do it. You're, you're stumbling in on, a, well, on an argument that uh, Gordon and I had a little bit earlier in the show, Eric. Yeah. I mean – I appreciate Gordon taking that leap and saying that I'm good at it. I don't know that I agree with that, but I, I certainly do love it. We'll, we'll leave it there. Whether I'm any good at it, I guess, is is for other people to decide. Well, well one thing we know. You're, 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 you're good at it, Eric. Let's make that, let's say that all clear and plain. And one thing we know about Gordon is if you were not good at it, he certainly would not say it. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Jake. I think. And Eric, hey, wait, we got to get it. We got one opinion from Eric because Eric is a kind of a Renaissance man. You know, we've talked to him before about his his days uh, reviewing concerts and whatnot. So I got to find out from him. We talked earlier during our not sports report about uh, Margot Robbie is going to be involved in a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie and so we were trying to think of a couple actors that we think have could carry a franchise like that do you have a suggestion oh man you know i saw that news today and 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 as i was scrolling through twitter and my immediate thought was why why (laughs) i don't have an opinion on who could carry that because johnny depp carried it and no matter what they do, they're not going to improve upon that, you know? And and mm-hmm. for that matter, he carried it for, let's say, I don't know, three of those movies were good. And after that, I don't know how many more they did with him and nobody cared. And they weren't <laughs> as good. And they should let it die and let it be because, you know, you're not going to get any better. And... Come up with an original idea. Would I you? agree. Oh, Although it made, it made it made four and a half billion dollars, though, Eric. Let's uh, you know, well, right? Because because he brought a certain, 
he brought a certain panache to the role, you know, like no one had seen uh, anyone kind of channel young Keith Richards like that in a while, you know, and, and that's what made it popular. It wasn't, it wasn't that people have this inherent love of Pirates of the Caribbean. They had this love of the energy that Johnny Depp brought to the role and to the yeah. story. And I think that just going back to the well on it is a mistake. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, and I guess that's why I'm not running a Hollywood movie franchise. I'd rather fail with something original than succeed with something derivative. I said, now if you can't, thought. I said, if you can't get Ed Burns for the role, then don't even, <laughs> don't even. Be. Uh, Pay no attention to him, Eric. Eric, thank you for jumping on with us, and especially thank you because you've been ignoring jazz breaking news for the past twenty minutes and talking to us. So we really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I guess that's where it's beneficial that uh, I have I have a partner in crime in Andy Larson who can tweet out the jazz schedule <laughs> while I'm uh, doing far more important things like talking to you guys. Well, we appreciate Eric, it, you've buddy. Eric, you've been able to stay healthy through this whole thing. Everything all right? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. Uh, I, I will say that staying at home as much as I have has probably, and, and eating as much as at home as I have, has not been ideal. Uh, <laughs> I, I've probably got a little extra around the waist that could stand to go. Uh, but that, uh, yeah, I'm happy that healthy. Um, we've had we've had no issues in that good. regard. That is good to hear. And we did appreciate the update uh, on your relationship with your wife. We're glad that's still strong. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. She's a wonderful woman. Hey, thanks, Eric. We appreciate She's a patient you. woman, right? <laughs> thanks, buddy. That's our friend Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune. Does a great job uh, covering the jazz. Uh, SLTrib.com. He and Andy uh, both cover that beat, and, and they're terrific. Gordon, uh, we we got to get into the start times coming up next. We have a very str- a special drop of the day today, too, that I suggested that, or I uh, I selected uh, that I oh, think good. is really good. So we'll we'll get all right. to it all. Straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Streets are alive with the sound of back. Can I hear it once again? Tell your neighbor, tell a friend, every box got a right to be born. Because the streets are alive with the sound of Can I hear it once again? Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Should we get to some news first and then uh, and then drop of the day, Gordon? Yeah. All right, and this this is the greatest news. I, I'm, uh, you know, I don't care how much arguing with me uh, with you gets me down, Gordon. This is the kind of news <laughs> that that really that really makes my day. Okay. Uh, you ready? We announced the jazz schedule. We told you what it is. You ready for these start times, Gordon? Yes. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Game game one against Pelicans, July thirtieth, four thirty. August 1st against the Thunder, 1.30 on ESPN. August 3rd against the Lakers, 7 o'clock on ESPN. August 5th against the Grizzlies, 12.30. August 7th, 11 a.m. against the Spurs. August 8th against the Nuggets on TNT at 1.30. August 10th against the Mavs on NBA TV at 1. And then they don't have a start time for their final game against the Spurs on August 13th. How about those start times? One 7 o'clock game, the rest are afternoon or morning? That is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be like watching the NCAA tournament. Tournament. You it know, is. it's a, all these day games and whatnot, and that's fine. But what do you, I know that all of that is convenient for your particular schedule, and you don't want to have to, you know, stay up until 2 a.m. 
Yeah, well, let's think about what's most important Two. here. Me. So, so, so then the, the question then becomes, what do you make of the difficulty of the remaining schedule? Do you think the Jazz will make it through that in good shape, like Eric was talking about? They have an opportunity to, to move up a little bit in the West? I don't know. It doesn't seem too daunting. I bet they'll finish in those final eight games, 500, maybe a little bit above. Because you've got to remember, so, there's no more there's no more gimmies. You know, where now the worst team on your remaining schedule is the Grizzlies. Oh, no, the Spurs. The Spurs and the Pelicans okay. would be in there. But, yeah. I mean, like, the Thunder's going to be a tough game. Lakers going to be a tough game. Uh, Nuggets going to be tough. Mavericks going to be tough. I mean... I bet you they're five and three, four and four. That's what I would. And guess. the Bucks in the championship game—that'll be a tough matchup. In the in the NBA Finals, yeah, <laughs> that will that will be difficult. <laughs> they have to show down with Giannis. Um, well, I bet they, they. Did you ever think that you would say that the Spurs were the easiest game on the Jazz's schedule? I mean, that just seems wet clanks off your ears a little, doesn't it? it? Does. We're just so used to thinking of them differently, but uh, I think they'll still be a tough game. All right, Gordon, you ready for this drop of the day? Uh, I wanted to to get to this today. My wife actually brought this interview to my attention. This is, uh, uh, you know, NASCAR has been in the news, race relations, and you and I talked a little bit yesterday about what a, a leap this is for NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag and really uh, impressive their show of support for Bubba Wallace because their history is is not that. So mm-hmm. it makes it it makes it certainly unique. But here's an interview, and it was an interview from NPR with former NASCAR driver Bill Lester. He is one of only seven black drivers to ever race in NASCAR, and he raced back in the 70s, and he gave his thoughts on what's going on today and what's going on with NASCAR, Gordon. And this is a few minutes long, but I thought it would be really valuable for our listeners. I thought this was really good. Here you go. All right, now, even with the FBI's findings here, this incident underscores NASCAR's long, complicated history with race. In its 72-year history, only seven black drivers have raced in the sport's top-tier cup series. Before Bubba Wallace, there was Bill Lester. He is now retired. Now, NASCAR has banned the Confederate flag from being displayed. This is something Bill Lester never thought he would see. I spoke with him about his experience as a black driver and about this moment for the sport. I came from the West Coast, the Bay Area specifically, to come to the Southeast, to the Bible Belt, and run around in circles with Confederate flags lining the tracks. Hmm. It was a eye-opener, but it really didn't matter to me because I wanted to be a professional race car driver and I wanted to race at the top level of the sport. But uh, here I come from a background in high tech. I have a four-year degree from Cal Berkeley in electrical engineering and computer science. I had a 15-year career at Hewlett-Packard before leaving all of that to pursue my dream. I mean, I'd never even heard of what a Cracker Barrel restaurant was before I came to the Southeast. So that tells you a whole lot right there. Well, did you come to an understanding? I mean, did you accept one another? Or what was the relationship like with the fans? Oh, absolutely. We had to come to an understanding and an appreciation for each other's differences because what we were doing was working towards a common goal, and that was being successful as a racing team. So I was in their environment. I'm the one who's the oddball. So I had to do my level best to, you know, understand these guys and, you know, hang out and break bread with them, go out and eat and spend more time than just at the shop trying to understand, you know, their backgrounds, learn who they were, you know, all those sorts of things that create a bond. 
because that's what a race team is. A race team is your family. These are the guys that build these cars for you to race at 180, 200 miles an hour. And it doesn't take a whole lot for things to go wrong. And if you're not a team, it's very easy for things to go really wrong at a high rate of speed. So uh, at the end of the day, I wound up enjoying the Southeast and I still live here. Hmm. So this tight circle you had of your crew, friends, people right in your circle, did they have the Confederate flag everywhere? I mean, stickers and, and other stuff with that symbol? Yeah, I saw it. It was plentiful. And, you know, I looked at it as that was just their culture. That's how they grew up. I didn't look at it as it being overt racism towards me. And I was in no way, shape or form in a position to affect any sort of change with regard to that. Because, you know, I'm a very small fish in a very big pond when it comes to black drivers in NASCAR. So I had to basically just swallow it, accept it. But, uh, you know, I felt that as long as they weren't waving that flag in front of my face or using any derogatory terms towards me, we were going to be okay. Hmm. What is your message to NASCAR fans today in 2020 who don't necessarily think of themselves as racist or haters and still have that symbol? What is your message to them? Well, I would hope to think that they realize that the flag we should be proud of is the American flag. The rebel flag, Confederate flag, is a historic symbol and one that is very hurtful, demeaning, oppressive to a very significant segment of this population. And it needs to be put in the trunk. I'm so interested in you saying that it wasn't your place to do something about it or change the culture. And obviously we have Bubba Wallace today who put a lot of pressure on the organization to very much change. Are these two different times or, or are you two different people or is it a mix? Absolutely the former, two different times. I was on record many occasions with the media saying how uncomfortable the flag was for me. But it fell on deaf ears. The country was not ready to listen at that time. Due to the unfortunate circumstances you know, of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, it has caused a Black Lives Matter movement. And it has caught the attention of everybody. And so Bubba is very fortunate that he has a platform being out there on the circuit right now where he can affect change. There was no way I could affect change during the time that I was racing. This is a different day. Bill Lester, um, thank you so, so much. It's been my pleasure. That was Bill Lester. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was in NASCAR in the late 90s. I, I said 70s. I was mistaken there. But I, I thought the last part, Gordon, was was really, really important where he talked about, you know, people who, who talk about progress. And he said this time made it so NASCAR changed or made them more willing to listen. He said he spoke out about it when he raced in the 90s and it fell on deaf ears. So I, I thought that was an interesting perspective that, you know, this is certainly no new problem, but it's it's come to the forefront and it affected change, at least in NASCAR, because of the time and the opportunity to do so. Well, it's both frustrating and thrilling that uh, that one that they, they, he couldn't be listened to back then, but now that people seem to be listening. And so it's frustrating that it didn't happen but hopeful now that it finally will get through and resonate 
Yeah, I and see the the thing I I tried to say this yesterday. Maybe I didn't articulate it very well, but like, I'm I'm caught up in the positive of NASCAR changing. I think that's really great. I'm trying not to get caught up in the well, where you been? Yeah, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, I'm trying yeah. not to focus on, you know, boy, I that, that is too bad what Bill Lester had to go through. That is that is really terrible. I'm I'm truly sorry he had to go through that, and he shouldn't have. But I think his his perspective and understanding that the time wasn't right and now it's right. I think that's the important thing to focus on and that that they listened. Why do you think it is a better time now? What, what's what been going on to make it so? Uh, obviously, he mentioned George Floyd and some of the tragedies that have happened. But do you think that's what this is centered on, really? Or do you think that that people are, are what's the word, are just better conditioned to listen? That's a good way to put it. Probably better condition to listen. Um, you know, I do think maybe the that our society has not progressed on this matter as quickly as, as it should, but I think it has. So I think the fact that more people are paying attention and listening, I, I think that I think that matters. And I you know, the message has gotten louder. Again, I, maybe not as loud and as quickly as, as a lot of folks would have liked, but it's la- it's louder. If I could share my reaction real quick. I, I feel like as a white person of the predominant religion in Utah growing up, I did not know very many black people in my life. I, I didn't. I just didn't come across them. Social media and the advent of the Internet allows those things like George Floyd's murder which is what it was, and Breonna Taylor's murder and Ahmaud Arbery's murder to be right in my face and to not be a story in a history textbook that right. I may or may not be taught you see in it. 10 years. It's right there in front of right. me. Mm. And just because I did not grow up with a lot of black people around me does not make it any less uh, real for me to see that happen right in front of me and make me just as mad as someone who knew George Floyd personally, and those things weren't in existence when Bill Lester was driving NASCAR. Yep. So you become more aware. Yeah, I think it's you, you actually see it happen. You don't learn about it in a book. You actually mm-hmm. watch it take place. Well, and and people are, are less tolerant of symbolism, it would appear, today, that, uh, that they used to be 20 years ago. Thus the Confederate flag, battle flag. Uh, it's, it, it's just amazing, isn't it, that... Uh that this didn't kick up in a way that caught the attention of everyone uh, earlier than it did. But uh, again, you don't want to look back. You want to look forward. Nor do so, I think uh, it's caught the attention of everybody or even close. Long way to go. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I don't say that happily by any means. But if we start talking about like we've arrived, I, I don't think that does anything. No, I don't think either. anybody thinks that. And, and But this, you bring up a good point there. I think sports can have a positive role in pushing this thing forward. Uh, you know, athletes these days are are celebrities and they're people that other people want to listen to in a way that maybe is more effective now. And uh, sports is just like you said, NASCAR's effect. They got pe- you got people down there who are fans of racing who are thinking about this in a way that maybe they haven't in the past. Maybe the same thing can be true for basketball fans, football fans, maybe everyone. Maybe that can spread so that it becomes more and more prevalent. This think, aware this awareness that Austin was speaking of. I think sports has been helping it spread for. A long time. Longer than you've been with us, Gordon, and that's a while. 
I think sports yeah, has been nine, a tool nine, in this. 1920. And I think yeah. it will uh, continue to be, uh, as we're seeing with NASCAR. All right, stay tuned. We'll more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Because the streets are alive with the sound of Can I hear it once again? Tell your neighbor, tell a friend, every box got a right to be born. Because the streets are alive with the sound of Can I hear it once again? So this is the point of the show where I'd be talking to Gordon, uh, but Gordon is not connected. And let me just uh, let me just set the scene for you. What happened during the break? Uh, we're, we're chatting because Austin can can uh, negotiate the board so we can talk during the break, even though Gordon is at home and I'm here at our, our studios. And uh, Austin, we just heard crackling for about uh, 90 seconds and then uh, Gordon was gone. So, and the crackling sounded very much similar to a campfire crackling. So are you, like me, just assuming that Gordon took his Diet Coke and just dumped it over the equipment? <laughs> that is, or, is that what you're assuming? That or he just wanted to leave a segment early for the week and did the old off-on trick. I, I, I don't know if he could have recreated those crackles. I mean, Just it, took out a little uh, hard candy wrapper. And it was, that, exactly. Whether, guys, guys, I can't... No, I, we don't know what happened. I'm a, I'm a little concerned, actually. We don't know if he'll be back Monday. I mean, Gordon, we know he's fine because he texted us. Yeah, but, he is fine. I mean, but his Gordon, machine, and he's been pretty responsible. I got to say, for the the equipment over these, how many months has it been now? Three months? Seven? It feels like seven. Yeah. And we I'm I'm for one shocked at how little he's needed help. Oh, with I'm it. totally shocked. I owe him a grand apology. We've had like a couple of problems, and I thought it was going to be. Uh, 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 Difficult on a daily basis. Like, believe the word you're looking for is mass hysteria. Yeah, right. And it has not been that. So we do need to give him credit. Yes. However, if if the whole machine just melted down, like could have happened, we'll then, redact this on Monday. Yeah, we're gonna have to take this all back. If he really did dump his diet coke out over all the equipment, then we're gonna have to. It was either that or cheese. He got got cheese into the wires. <laughs> he was doing the aerosol cheese spray right into his mouth, and had some real stinky gouda going. <laughs> got it uh, all ground up inside oh, the gears gross. of the equipment. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll see we'll if see we can. Back in the next. Segment. We'll see if we can't reconnect with Gordon. Uh, stay tuned. It's the Big Show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Wrapping up a Friday edition of The Big Show. Gordon, another week has come and gone, my friend. It has, and every Friday it seems like we go, wow, another one gone. You know, Although you wanted to fast forward your entire existence, uh, what, skip a year? Uh, at least. Let's, let's make it two, <laughs> just in case. 2020, man. It's been uh, kind of a mind blower. If, if you could do that, would you choose... To just fast forward two years These of your life? These next two years? Or would you, if two given the years options, is too much. go two back years and is remove two years you've already gone through? Yeah. Oh, I'd fast forward uh, two years. Just, would you? Yeah, just get rid of these. Uh, not two. Two's too many. Yeah. But two. what, maybe maybe a year? Maybe uh, Make it two. It's it's like when you, you yeah, want to. Yeah, it's like going on a mission. Take two years out of your it, life. It's just, yeah, you but want, Jake, Jake, you're turning 39 tomorrow. That makes you 41. I know, but it's also <laughs> it's also like when you want to, you take a little extra because you want to make sure you got it all. Kind of one of those scenarios. <laughs> like two years uh-huh. just to make sure we get all the, all the, uh, over. 
Yeah, and then, yeah, you get all that over with, and then you, you could extend at the other end. What if the world is over in, like, 18 months, and you s- choose to fast-forward two years, and then you just miss out on the last 18 months? Risk I'm willing to take. Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, the, what, the apocalypse? Is right. this, uh, is, well, I'm, I'm of the belief this is our final decade on this planet. So, hmm? And so far this year, I've kind of been right. Well, the world's not ending. Have you looked outside? <laughs> Have you Googled anything in the last six months? Yeah, but I it's mean, over. It's, it's, if it's wins. over, <laughs> if it's over, you might as well take a cruise, Austin. Nope. They won't well, get so the we're... last satisfaction on me. <laughs> okay. They're the reason right. the cruise industry is the reason we're in this mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Okay. And another thing. What are you? What do you have planned this weekend, Gordon? Uh, you doing anything? Doing anything fun? Uh, that I was just working. You know, I and uh, let's see. Let me think here for a second. Going to uh, a, a Chippendale show. <laughs> Meaning on mean, Disney Plus, Chippendale yeah, Rescue Rangers. Chip yeah. and Dale. Yes. Is that My daughter loves that show. The Rescue Rangers? Yes. Because the Rescue Rangers was incredible. And I love it as well. <laughs> it was incredible. Love that show. What's, what's the go- some crimes. What's the go-to for the little one? Little Einsteins or uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Oh, all right. Sadie? Oh, uh, she's she's still firmly implanted in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse uh, crowd. But she, That'll work she is a uh, she's a Daniel Tiger fan as well, which I feel a little better about because that usually has some pretty good... Messages and so things. the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is not the one where they have the tool thing that fixes everything. Yeah, yeah, toodles. toodles. Uh, yeah. So, toodles. So you, we you got end up ears. in trouble. Say, say cheers. I <laughs> oh, have the go. cutest thing with my daughter where I'll say Mouseker ready, Mouseker set, and she'll go, Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever notice in that Miska, show Muska, that, the, Mickey, that the, the Mickey Mouse ears never turn? Branding, Gordon. They, they always stay facing the camera. Yeah, branding. Yeah, we're we're brainwashed at our house. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> okay. Those ears are worth a lot of dough. Disney, Coca Cola, apple pie. We're American. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, Daniel Tiger would be on board with the wear the mask. Oh yeah, Daniel Tiger would be wearing a mask because it's all about doing things for, for others. Other people. Yeah. yeah, do what Daniel Tiger. Yeah, he's the, not selfish and he's not stupid. What would the Daniel Tiger mask wear song mask? sound like, Jake? Why don't you make I, I, that up I, I, for I, us real quick? Uh, I, no. Although I, those, those... Don't ask, just wear the mask. Those songs do stay in my head for, for a long, long time. It's an easy task. Put on your mask. Okay, okay so... and wash and be on your way. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Grown ups, hey, come back. That's a good one. That is a good one. So instead of me sitting here saying everyone who doesn't wear a mask is either selfish or stupid, uh, Jake, in in light of what the conclusion you came to yesterday, what would the better message be to everyone out there? Be a better neighbor. You know, in our Mr. Rogers theme, be good to your neighbor. In the theme that you said yesterday. Yeah, I know. To be more positive, right? Uh, To be encouraging as opposed to shaming. Yeah. Say, oh, okay. Be a good neighbor. Save your neighbor. Save grandma. Don't kill grandma. Save grandma. Oh, that'll be a drop for years. Yeah. Save grandma. Wear a mask to save grandma. Don't shame people not wearing a mask that they're killing grandma. Compliment people that are wearing masks that they're saving grandma. I, I compliment even, 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 even if- uh, today. 
That's that's my thing. I'm complimenting people on it. I'm making it a positive. Yeah, but how do you say that? Do you say that, you know, I really like that you're covering up your face? No, I say cool mask. You're missing the point. I'm trying to make it, like, no, I know, fashionable. I'm just, I'm just ribbing you. Thank you for saving my grandma. That's what I'm going to say next time. Thank you for not killing grandma. That's what I'm going to say. All right. All right. We'll talk to you on uh, Monday, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.